Hello everyone and welcome to Random Encounter 235.5 or 235 and a half. Now nah, let's just let's just make this 236. Uh, so you may have noticed this isn't our usual day for posting. Uh, usually we post alternating Mondays with Rhythm Encounter and you should be listening to Rhythm Encounter right now, right? Ah, here's the thing. Rhythm Encounter is taking a week off, but this gave us a big opportunity because a potential uh, Game of the Year contender, possibly a Game of the Decade contender based on a lot of the uh, reviews, uh, has dropped this week. So we get an opportunity to talk about it. Uh, We'll be back again with more random next week, and then Rhythm Encounter will be getting back on schedule after that. So... If you listen to this podcast, you probably like RPGs and video games. And if you like RPGs and video games, you definitely know what we're going to be talking about today. And that is Elden Ring. Uh, This is apparently an incredible game. And we're going to be talking to someone who is making their very first appearance on the podcast. And they reviewed the game for the site. And I am super excited to talk to them. Bob Richardson. Hey, Bob. Hey, how's it going? It is going really, really well. It is a going to be a busy, busy month ahead. Uh, February and March have been crazy months for video games. And like the number of releases and big releases next month are crazy. Yeah, uh, I was in the middle of Dynalight 2. And then Elden Ring fell in my lap. And I was like, well, uh, <laughs> I think I'm prioritizing this. And I'm excited for Dynalight 2. I love the first Dynalight. Yep. Uh, but this, like last couple of years the start of the year has just been phenomenal releases back to back oh yeah i know and like coming up in the next month we have uh triangle strategy uh depending on where you're coming from stranger of paradise final fantasy origin uh tiny tina's wonderland uh like a ton of weird west is coming out a lot of stuff coming out in the next month but i don't think a lot of people are going to be playing it because i think a lot of people are still going to be stuck deep into elden ring yeah and elden ring is one of those games where once it sinks its teeth in you it's not letting go uh it, it's kind of hard to step away from <laughs> honestly it, it consumes all uh mind soul and body and uh <laughs> I, I couldn't be more enthralled about it well interesting you said soul because uh for those who don't know uh, just a little bit of background. El- Elden Ring is from from software, and they have a very long history of making video games going all the way back to the 90s, uh, but they're best known for their uh, the Dark Souls trilogy. Uh, now, this game, it launched an entirely new genre of tough-as-nails RPGs uh, that required split-second timing and uh, the learning of boss patterns, actually the learning of patterns of basically any enemy to progress. Uh, like games include uh, Demon Souls, Dark Ra- Dark Souls uh, One, Two, Three, Bloodborne, Sekiro, Shadows Die Twice, um, and their latest title is in fact Elden Ring. And it's been it's been people have been really looking forward to this uh, the last few years since Sekiro uh, was released. And uh, it sounds like they really hit it on the out of the park. I mean, I, I know a lot of people don't put a lot of stock in numbers, but like it's currently holding a ninety seven on Metacritic, and that's that's nuts. That's completely crazy. Well, I mean, it's for good reason. I mean, you got a seasoned team of veterans working on this. You've got a noteworthy director. You know, everyone knows Miyazaki. Uh, This team created a genre. Um, They're the flag bearers, right? And many have tried to copy and many have put their own spin on it and they've done it capably like Neo. I love Neo, Neo 2 especially. Um, but you know, no one does souls games quite like the creators of dark souls from software. Uh, what is your background with the uh, souls like, and specifically dark souls? Like how would you, how would you define the genre? I, I think action RPG is how I would define it. I, you know, I think when demon souls first came out on the PS2, I think or PS3, um, you know, people were like, it's an obscenely hard game. It's the people were just emphasizing how difficult it is. And I remember hearing about, I'm like, yeah, I don't like games 
that are hard for the sake of being hard. You know, we think of games like, you know, Kaizo Mario games or Mm. I want to be the guy and they're just hard. The Souls games aren't just hard. And in some ways, I would say they're not even really that hard. And I've gotten, you know, backlash for saying things like that from people before. It's like, these are really hard games where you think you're too good. I'm not saying I'm like an above average gamer or anything. What I'm saying is the design of these games is so fantastic that you could find shortcuts and bonfires everywhere. And getting to a boss might be a 10 second sprint to the door. And the boss, you're going to maybe beat your head into it again and again, but eventually you're going to get it. And dying in itself is not a good metric for difficulty. I think it's more about the frustration. And I've never really felt frustrated playing Dark Souls games. Uh, there was this one boss, a major boss I was fighting. Literally took me an hour and a half. I timed it. And uh, I was not beating my head up against it. I was trying different things. But at no point in that hour and a half did I at all get frustrated. And I think that's the beauty of the Souls games is... You know, someone says, you spend an hour and a half boss. That's a hard game. Like by one metric, I would say yes, but it never felt difficult. It never, I think when people say difficulty, they think frustration. And I didn't Mm. feel that way. Like you play a Mega Man game and you jump into the spikes. Then, you know, that's annoying. That's difficult because you got to like platform around all this stuff. Souls games, you might get killed, but you're getting back up on that horse. You're going. And, you know, the Souls games are known for a few things. You know, it's, it's the challenge, of course, of the combat. Um, there's also the level design and the sense of discovery. Like these are phenomenally designed games that kind of follow the same formula, but they also reinvent themselves in a few ways. Uh, like everyone's aware of like the enemy hiding behind the wall. You you turn, open a door and then you get hit by a trap. You know things like that. It's very souls like. But the intricacies of uh, rooms, castles, hallways, and in Elder Ring's case, the entire world. That's really the hallmark of what makes From Software games so excellent. Um, it's not just the boss design. In fact, I would say the bosses are, are less important than the level design itself. Mm. And when you're playing a, a Dark Souls game, like the three Dark Souls games are known for, you know, you know, you go from one place to another. And while they can be a little bit spacious, like you're on our force and there's some open-endedness there, for the most part, these games are pretty linear. You're, you're going from point A to point B, and there's some forks in the road and a secret door you can open and maybe. But um, Elden Ring just reinvents the genre, basically, by introducing the open-world mechanic. Mm. Which you think of something like Witcher 3 with open-world, and you know there's so much you can do in that world. There's so much to see, and it, it feels like a real world. Elder Ring's just like that, but to the nth degree, because it's still a Souls game. So while you're <laughs> running around a field, while you're looking for a cave, or you're trying to find out how to get into that shattered castle wall, you know, you're you're still discovering things and encountering enemies and having to do this cutthroat combat that you could die in any fight if you just get swarmed by a bunch of weak enemies, or you turn a corner and there's an elite enemy there. Um, so it still feels like Dark Souls. Just blown out of the water, though. Just, like, gigantic on, on a magnified scale. And that's, I think, why people are going to love Elden Ring. I was talking to someone who was playing it recently. They just picked it up, and they just played it. And they literally said, I don't know if I can ever go back to Dark Souls, which is a thing to say, because Dark Souls games are still considered to be some of the best games in the action RPG genre. So the fact that Elden Ring is like, I can't ever go back is saying something. Yeah. Uh, it's fascinating to me the way that uh, it's uh, people are saying that this has redefined the open world uh, in a way that hasn't really happened since like Breath of the Wild uh, back in 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, what really gets me is how it sounds like the game merges 
traditional Dark Souls dungeons and styles of locations uh, with the open world, and specifically how that changes the way that you can handle boss battles or even just battles mm -hmm. against difficult enemies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, because you know, I commented on my review, you know, sometimes if you are up against a boss that is required for you to beat, in order for you to progress there's only so much you can do to get stronger like you might use a different item you know coat your weapon in like uh lightning paper or whatever you know you can do a bunch of different things to fight that boss but if you want to like get stronger you're gonna have to grind up against skeletons or you know fight a big baddie that you figured out the pattern on and just get souls and then level up um there's not a whole lot like there are some branching paths but it's pretty restricted um, in Elden Ring, there have been a couple times I fought a boss. I'm like, whoa, I am not ready for this guy. I'm going <laughs> to go east instead of west. And then I'm going to spend the next five hours just messing around over there. And I'll come to, back to this guy later. And that strategy has worked with me. And I'm, I'm over 45 hours into the game. Mm -hmm. It's worked for me the entire time. If you just fight an enemy or a boss that's too hard, just don't go there. Literally go in any of the other 12 places you could go. <laughs> or, yeah, you can go in any direction. You're going to find stuff to do. Exactly. Go to old places. There's old places where you're like, that catacombs, I'm not ready for that yet. And you'll forget about it. And you can put markers on the map, of course. But hmm. like old or new, there's always something to do in this game. Which is uh, pretty crazy when you think about just how much stuff there is in this game. From mm -hmm. what I've heard, it, it's exactly that. Every single time you go over a hill, you're seeing things and you're like, what's that over there? Oh, let's go over there. Like, that's what the open world mechanics, I guess, should be. Yep. Yeah, so there were a few cases in the Dark Souls series where people have these memorable experiences, like the first time you see Anne Orlando. It's like, whoa, what is that? And like, you're going to go to that castle and it's very exciting. And Anne Orlando is a thing. All Souls fans know that. So the, what you just said is exactly right in Elden Ring as well, because you'll run over a hill and then you get to the top of it and you see ruins or you see a tower or you'll see, you know, a swamp or this literally this rock creature with a building on top of it walking around. And you're like, what is even happening right now? <laughs> and that's the cool thing about it. It's like you're having these Anne Orlando moments constantly where you just see something in the distance and it's such brilliant design because it, it makes you salivate. You're like, I want to go there. But that's like one direction. There, you got 360. You can turn all the way around and you're going to see stuff all around you. And this is one direction. And you're spoiled for choice. And it's a beautiful thing. Well, what's fascinating to me is that in the review, you specifically say that you are not a giant fan of the open world up uh. until this point. You just don't <laughs> like open world games. What didn't no. you like about open world games and what's What's different about this open world that makes you connect to it in a way that the other ones just bounced off you? Yeah, so, you know, uh, at risk of upsetting some people, you know, I'll take Skyrim. Oh, it's okay. I talk about Chrono Cross and Saga all the time on here. I haven't upset anyone yet. At least, <laughs> at least that I care about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so Skyrim is, is uh, has no personality. It, that world, it in some ways, it looks very beautiful. Like there's some people who play this game and post screenshots and everything. Yes, it is a beautiful world in all respects, but it's it's all pomp and there's no substance. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you, you run across a dragon, you shoot the dragon with some arrows, you know, you spam your fire spell or whatever. There's not a lot to the game. There's no teeth. There's no tension. Um, and while you're running around open field, there's not a lot 
going on like you're in an open field you know that's, that's kind of cool but wouldn't it be cool if there were some threatening enemies or if there was some unique architecture the the thing that blows my mind about Elden ring and witcher 3 did a lot of this as well is uh every square foot of this world feels like it was designed independently there's no like you know, we're just going to put a, a generic open field in this area. We're going to copy and paste it and put it over there. We're going to copy and paste it and put it over here. Nothing feels copied and pasted except for the catacombs. The catacombs are a unique sort of dungeon you run into every now and again. Those feel very routine. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's on purpose. I'm not entirely sure. But as for like the actual open world itself, every cliff, every hill, every rock, every tree, every piece of tall grass, it feels unique i've never run into a place to be like i feel like i've been here before there's landmarks everywhere um and that that breathes personality that makes it feel real because it's not just like a video game like of course it is a video game but it doesn't feel that way and that's what's most important i think that's what a lot of game developers try to achieve with their games like they want to take people to a new place they want you want to transpose them into a world that is not their own so that they can escape or enjoy themselves or become immersed in an experience or uh to take in a story and elder rings doing that and other open world games they really got to step up their game because the bar is being pushed and the one time i've said the bar is being pushed before was with disco elysium that was specifically because of the story development in that game but in elder ring as far as like game design level design world building is concerned everyone in this industry really has to work hard if they're going to try to even touch what from software did here i mean that's really nice to hear because i mean for decades decades and decades in the video game industry the open world was the dream that was what everyone was reaching for uh and you you saw glimpses of that with skyrim for example or like the capital wasteland in fallout 3 or uh or uh, Hyrule in Breath of the Wild, or um, just game, Los Santos in GTA V, I would argue, is one of the most immersive open worlds that had Mm -hmm. existed up to that point. But you're right, open world, like a lot of the developers just put an open world into their games because it's an expected gameplay element, and that almost defeats the purpose. So the fact that uh, Elden Ring is not just upping their game, but is like redefining what the open world can do is really... A nice thing to hear because it might mean that other developers realize oh we can't be lazy anymore we can't copy and paste the hill we have to we have to design uh a world and if we can't if we can't design the world to that level maybe we should make the world a little bit smaller and make a more focused gameplay experience instead yeah i agree with that completely um i i hope that's how they would be approaching it um there's a possibility some... we're giving game developers too much credit here <laughs> well no i think that's what people want to do but you know when you're a studio like from software you know you have the talent you have the experience you have the resources to do something like this so mm-hmm. it's it's hard for everyone to meet this standard if they don't have the team or the financial resources the reputation you know from software can take their time making things because you know everyone expects it to be you know fantastic it's the same thing with rockstar games like everyone expects rockstar to have this certain standard the next gta game is going to be phenomenal because everyone just expects it to be we trust that it will be Mm -hmm. um from software's next souls game people are are, they're gonna be like please take my money you want to charge me 70 80 dollars whatever the new going rate is for a triple a game i will pay it because i know i'm gonna get a high quality game here it's gonna Mm -hmm. be worth my time and worth my money um but the other thing i want to say is 
there, there was a risk here that that uh, from software took with Elden Ring. I touched on a bit in my review. I, I, I think it really needs to be emphasized, though. They could have made Dark Souls 4. They could have done the same thing they've done before, and they would have made money. And it would have been easy, and I think fans would have loved it. But they took a chance here by creating a giant open world game. They basically, basically meshed genres. They took Souls genre, they took open world, and they put them together. Like, let's see if we can make our strong level design team make an entire world. And uh, they did it. They killed it. And I think it's important for publishers, and I think it's important for developers to realize the importance of taking risks. If you have faith in your vision, if you have faith in your team, you have a, a strong roadmap, you've planned it out, you understand the structure and the, the amount of money you could pay your team for a certain amount of time, you, you could trust that taking a chance might actually earn you a whole lot of credibility and give you the opportunity to give players a, a, uh, a trust in you maybe they didn't have before. Because, you know, from software can rest on their laurels and just keep making Souls games, or they can, you know, push the industry forward. And I think gamers are going to love from software for this specific. There's a certain kind of magic that happens when the creator of a genre actually continues to push that genre forward instead of letting other people uh, mm -hmm. pick up the torch and go with it. I mean, if you look at like what Apple did with the with the iPod and going into the iPhone and th like that's the same kind of thing where they they didn't just do the same thing over and over again years ago. They they created new things and pushed it forward. That's different nowadays. But um, the fact that From Software is doing that with this game, it, it's very heartening. And it's been fascinating to me to look at this game and the reception this game has received versus the reception that, say, Cyberpunk 2077 has received. And I, I'm not talking about, like, the bugs or the PlayStation 4 release or anything like that. I feel like uh, CD Projekt Red had very similar levels of credibility and uh, excitement and, and hype and everything going into Cyberpunk 2077. And when not only did they not meet that hype, they undershot it by a considerable margin it did massive amounts of damage to their overall brand and to uh, gamers love of their games whereas it sounds like from software because it, they delivered everything that they promised it's going over the moon like th the love mm -hmm. for this developer is just incredible right now yeah i would even argue they didn't just deliver on their promise they they went beyond expectation which mm. the expectations were already really high i think a lot of people were worried and shy because cyberpunk was kind of a fiasco when it came out mm -hmm. um and people were worried you know there's giant promises here what if they can't meet the expectation what if it's a buggy mess and you know that that's not what happened here they delivered and they went above expectations people were probably thinking too small i don't think people realized what they were getting and i think that's part of the reason why the reception has been so fantastic is like this is more than I was expecting. You guys, you you blew me away here. And, you know, I think, especially in this day and age, people aren't surprised too often. You know, sometimes when things are done differently, they're only done differently by a little bit. But this is vastly different. And it worked. And they didn't, They again, it goes back to risk-taking. They didn't really have a previous formula to fall back on. Yeah, it's kind of soulsy in the combat and all that. But um, the, the, the fact that it's not just wide open fields that you just run through for, you know, 10, 20 minutes before you find something interesting <laughs> is a big deal. Yeah, I remember, uh, I think it was on IGN, they were talking to one of the developers, it might have been uh, about it, and they were like, I don't the game shouldn't take too long to beat. It's probably not going to take as much time as you think. I don't think there's as much to do. It's almost like they were lowering expectations a little bit going into it, and they, it, they did not need to. I think part of the appeal there, though, is, you know, you got 
people are getting older and people with less time on their hands, you know, people are having kids and stuff. And they're like, you know, I, I can't afford to put a hundred hours into a game anymore. So, you know, it's almost like marketing in that way. It's like, it's only 30 hours. Don't worry. Uh, the fact that matters this is not a 30 hour game. Yeah. There's like, it might be 30 hours if you know exactly what you're doing and you're really good at the game and you know how to min max everything. But even setting that aside, that's if you ignore everything this game has to offer, you know, part of the charm of this game is, you could do anything and you could do everything and you could do a little bit of everything. You don't have to like comb every square foot of this, this map. But if you're literally just going from point A to point B to try and beat the game, you're you're missing the point. Yeah. Yeah. This is the, I mean, that's not that's what a Souls game traditionally was, as you said, very linear, mm -hmm. whereas this is something new, mm -hmm. whereas this is something very new. Um, I wanted to ask you about I, I've never read his books, but famously uh, George R.R. R. Martin of mm. the uh, a Song of Ice and Fire series, more popularly known as Game of Thrones, uh, supposedly wrote all of the lore for this world. And you say that you, you're not detecting his finger, any of, <laughs> like his touch on it. Like this yeah. game is pure Miyazaki. Like it, it's the, the director of this game. It's his fingerprints all over this. So maybe, yeah. what do you think? It would be an interpretation of what Martin wrote or? Yeah, it's hard for any of us to say. I, I think, you know, we'd have to hear from them directly. Um, stylistically, it feels like Miyazaki's work. It might be that George R. R. Martin uh, created the lore and created the backstory and the, you know, the, the ethos behind what's going on here. Um, whereas, you know, the dialogue of the characters, you know, if, if you've spoken to an NPC in a Souls game, you've spoken to every single character in this game. It's delivered very similarly. The voice acting is very similar. Mm -hmm. Everyone's got a little bit of madness in them. Everyone's a little bit depressed. You know, it, it just feels very Soulsy. Um, as for the, like the, the, the larger plot, I mean, the Souls games have been clear as mud. I mean, unless you like go to a wiki or you like really put a lot of time reading every item description and try and understand what exactly is going on where you're trying to like ignite the first flame and what does that even really mean precisely you know it's it's very loosely touched upon throughout the entire game and i think that's on purpose and it's a good thing mm. um but here you know i mean it feels like miyazaki's work <sighs> i trust that george r. r martin worked on it i'm not denying that he did mm. um i just it doesn't feel like something he did okay that makes complete sense to me i mean it's the it, it seems like maybe it's an interpretation of what he delivered sure. which would be you know uh obviously the they have some experience with delivering this kind of world um in terms of the storytelling of this game would you say again i haven't played it uh so i i can't tell you but like is it environmental storytelling in terms of uh, getting the story, like, do you really have to just pay attention to what's going on around you in order to get what is going on around you, I guess? For me, uh, this is not the kind of storytelling I personally like. Um, I'm definitely more of a, you know, give me a, a, a plot, give me a rising progression until we hit the climax and then hit the re resolution. Mm. And I, I want to be dialogue driven. I want more showing, less telling, you know, to the moon, your typical JRPG, the things that hit the feels. I really like Divinity and Pillars of Eternity. Like I like these these stories where like you can really sink your teeth in the world and understand the gods and stuff. And it's all very clear. There's very little interpretation. But the Souls games are cool because it nothing's clear, and you kind of gotta fill in the gaps yourself. It demands more of the players. In a sense, the story is just as difficult as the gameplay because you, you can't. 
you can't fully understand what's going on unless you like play it and replay it and maybe talk to other people who really know what's going on. Um, it, if you look at the environment, you get a sense something terrible has happened here and you can feel it and it looks terrible. Like there's, there's vines growing on old castle walls that are like hacked away in a diagonal slant. Um, you've got, you know, these gilded rooms in these foreboding castles where maybe there was a ruler here or a king who was very unjust. And these are assumptions you're making just by observing it. The way a historian might look at some pottery or might look at a painting and try to infer things about the way civilization lived a thousand years so years ago. Mm. Um, that's the storytelling. There's dialogue. That's the most you're going to get in terms of like directly what's going on. You're going to see some old character who's got some backstory, who's lived a thousand years, and they're going to tell you exactly what's going on. Here's why the Elder Ring's important. Here's why the Erd Tree is important. And even then, even when they talk about it, you're not entirely sure what's going on. There's a lot of references to names and you're like, I don't even know who that is. And then there's names to this cataclysmic event. You're like, I don't really know what that is. And all the while you're spending most of your time just like killing things and <laughs> trying to not die and try to level up and find goodies and stuff. It is definitely a series that is more driven by its gameplay and discovery rather than the storytelling. It's fascinating to me how it seems that for many Souls games, and certainly for this one, uh, there is a real juxtaposition between the world, which seems to be depressing and hopeless, and the level of joy that the player gets in playing <laughs> and uh, and defeating these uh, these enemies and exploring. And it, it, that juxtaposition is very interesting to me. It, it, it's probably an extraordinarily hard balancing act to pull off, and it seems like they just keep doing it. I, I think there's a few things going on there. I think the first important thing to remember is it, it feels like an authentic world, and I don't care mm -hmm. if it's depressing or if it's happy or somewhere in between. If it feels like a real place, people are going to be drawn to it because that's for a lot of people. That's why we play video games. Like we we want to experience these places we couldn't experience in the real world. Yeah, again, that was the, so, that was the draw of the open world for decades. Uh -huh. It was it was the open world's necessary to make people believe that they are in these places. Yeah, the same reason people watch a movie or read a book. It's like you want to get lost in a world. Take me to a different place. And you know, when I'm playing this game, I feel like I'm in a different place. And whether it's you know depressing or not, it feels cool. And as depressing as it is, no one really does depressing quite like or as well as from software. So in that way, it's also a, a very authentic experience because it's like, I'm not really getting this anywhere else. Like sad things happen in every good story. There's always conflict, but the, the gloom and the just layer of blah, this entire game exudes mm -hmm. is phenomenal. And no one does it like that. Well, the line that really exemplified your review for me was, uh, I believe the illusion. Yeah, yeah. Because we all know it's an illusion. We all know it's a game. But like, can you trick me? Can I be playing this game for an hour, totally unaware of what's going on around me, and then not realize time has passed? And, yep. you know, that's flow. You know, that's what psychologists call flow. And, you know, that's what people want. Because that shows that you're immersed. That shows that you're having a good time. Well, outside of the uh, gameplay, I'm curious about, uh, you, you talk a lot about the of the music and sound design mm. uh, in the game and how uh, how it, I guess it would deepen the reality of the world that you're surrounded and the immersion that you're feeling. Uh, what is it like? Like how, you mentioned that the voice acting is not nothing to, I guess, write home about in a, in a very specific way. Like it, the voice acting does the job that it's supposed to do, mm -hmm. but it sounds like the music does more than that. 
Well, the voice acting is excellent. It's just meets the standard of a Souls game. Like okay. I, I kind of brushed away because I, I'm speaking to Souls fans when I write things like that because I'm like, you know what the voice acting is. Like if you're hearing, you know, the people in Dark Souls 1, 2, and 3 talk, you're hearing the people in this game talk. Okay, it's hitting um, a very specific tone then. Yes, but all the lines are well delivered. Okay. Um, and, you know, it accentuates the experience. Uh, as for the, the music, you know, the, the music's always been good in, you know, Dark Souls and things like that. And for me, the music in games like this kind of falls in the background. I kind of forget it's there. Um, but part of, the, part of that's a good thing because you want it to just seamlessly bleed into the experience. Like if you're creating a complex recipe of flavors, mm -hmm. you don't want people to necessarily taste every single thing you're putting in there. You want it to be one exact flavor. Um, and I, I say that's what the music accomplishes here. I, I have taken some time to stop and listen. And it, this game is all about the deep, low strings. It's a lot of like cellos and basses and violins. They're just like very low in tone and long and um it's it's gloomy and uh that that just makes everything else pop it makes everything else a little more colorful um even though the world itself is not colorful it it livens it up it makes it more of what it should be mm, yeah which is what music should be in a video game or mm -hmm. in any real piece of media yep um it's fascinating to me the way like i've been looking at screenshots and looking at footage of this game uh, another thing that the Souls likes uh, uh, excel in is absolutely stunning depictions of just horribleness and like yeah. ugliness and like you say, grays, browns, washed out greens, and yet the vistas that you see are still absolutely stunning. Yep. So um, I, I mean, we can get into some really deep themes here if we wanted to, but I, I think you know part of that is like you know life goes on. And I think part of that's also what's going on with the Dark Souls series. Like, yeah, things are terrible. You know, there's undead everywhere. and But still, the sun rises. And still, you know, you got this ur tree, the big ur tree, the glowing tree. is like, oh, it's majestic. It's beautiful. So, uh, you know, civilizations come and go on. Rulers come and go. You know, people suffer and there's war and stuff. But there will always be another tomorrow. And um, I don't know if that's the message they're trying to deliver, but there's beauty in everything. And I, I think Destruction is another form of creation. It's kind of a trite thing to say. I know it's cliche, but um, I, I think you can appreciate something. You can appreciate a ruin. Like I think if I saw a ruin in person, like an old castle, I think I would I would love it just as much as if the castle were completely well built and still standing and you know uh, touched up over time. It's the history and the story of the place. Even if you don't know what that story is, you can sense it. Yeah, yeah. This was a thing at one time. You could almost fill in the gaps to say like. That wall used to be there, and the, the people used to live here and have lives, and there used, they used to love and hate and, you know, have children, and now it's gone, and that's okay. You know, every, people move on. Well, I really wanted to thank you for coming on today and making the time uh, to, yeah. to pop on because uh, this game is, it's massive, it's huge, and people are talking about it in a way that people haven't really talked about games for a while. Like, there, there was a big conversation, there was conversations going on about Horizon Forbidden West, and I mean, I just finished Horizon Zero Dawn and I adored it and I can't wait to play Horizon Forbidden West, but this seems to transcend uh, the usual conversations about video games in yep. a way that I've not seen for a long, long time. And that is something that's really exciting because it might be a sign of things that could come in the future from other developers who are inspired by this uh, game. It's a it's an important game. I mean, aside from it being a fun experience, like you're you're gonna play it, you know, you're gonna put in you know sixty or a hundred or however many hours you want to put in, and it's fun, and then you're gonna move on and do something. But what's left behind is 
exactly what you said. It's, it's, it's an inspiration and it's important to the health of the industry, which makes it important to us as consumers. And I think look, looking at sales, you know, the game's got 55,000 reviews on Steam and it's mixed because of all the technical issues that sometimes comes with PC games. You know, love it or hate it, this is an important game yep. because it's, it's pushing the genre forward, it's pushing the industry forward, and it's letting, again, people know, take risks, do things differently, and you too will have a, a, a footnote in the history of this wonderful industry that we all enjoy. Well, thank you very much for joining me on this very small piece of the history of a industry we all enjoy. Um, and this was your first episode, and I'm, I'm really, really yeah. glad that you were here to talk about this specific game. That's pretty awesome. And it's an honor and a privilege. Thank you for asking me. Oh, it was. I'm, look, when we talked about this game coming up, and you said, you know, I'm really excited for uh, Elden Ring in uh, in the upcoming year. We talked in January, and I was like. I would. I wanted to hear your thoughts about this game, and I'm really, really happy that you reviewed this because it's. Uh, I think it's an exceptional review, and the, the link will be in the uh, description for anyone who is looking for it. Um, no discussion question today because we're just, again, real short episode, just talking about Elden Ring, nice and focused. But if you enjoyed this episode, uh, we have lots of other episodes of Random Encounter, including one that we had last week and one, and, uh, one that will be next week. And next week's episode is going to be focused on uh, the... Final Fantasy 4, 5, and 6, so the later Pixel remasters. Uh, 6 just got released, and there are some there are some interesting things going on in that game, especially when it comes to the opera. Uh, and I am super excited to talk to our reviewers about that next week. Uh, but this is not the only podcast we have. We also have Retro Encounter with Mike Solosi. Uh, we just did a two-parter on Knights of the Old Republic, Star Wars, and uh, those were a blast because that's an amazing game. And uh, the next episode that's coming up, it's going to be a episode focused on properties that would make a really, really great RPG adaptation. Uh, so that's going to be a fun conversation. Uh, we have Rhythm Encounter, which you'd be listening to right now, but you're not. You're listening to me. So in two weeks, we're going to be picking that back up again. Um, if you'd like to get in contact with us here at Random, you can fire me off a message at podcast at rpgfan.com. I would love to hear from you if you have any comments about episodes or uh, discussion questions. If you have any idea for discussion questions, we love putting those on the air. Uh, just fire off a message. If you have something for me specifically about any reviews or ideas, uh, you can uh, fire me off a message at jloganrpgfan.com, or you can find me on Twitter at jono underscore Logan. Uh, now, I'm not the only one who has an internet presence here. Bob, where can we find you online? Uh, so the best way to get in touch with me would probably be the RPG Fan email, bob at rpgfan.com. I'm always happy to hear from readers. I get emails, you know, every now and again. Um, you know, whether you disagree, agree, you, you want to tell me how wrong I am and how I don't understand this or that or the other. Or anything, I don't care. Uh, it's always a joy to hear from readers. So if you, if uh, you want to have a conversation or anything, that's probably the best way to reach out to me. And uh, you know, I, I hope you're enjoying Elden Ring. I think that a lot of people are. I think this game is going to probably do fairly well. Um, anyway, uh, if you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with your friends. You can help us get the word out there. Uh, you can rate us on iTunes or your podcast player of choice. Bob, again, thank you so much for joining me today. I really, really appreciate it. I had a great time talking to you about this game. Yeah, I as well. Uh, thank you for having me. Okay. And uh, to all of you out there, whatever you're playing, have fun. <laughs>